Robert asked me where we were going as a church, and I said, we're going to the streets. And I'm telling you, by the word of the Lord, there is a shift in the kingdom, and there is a shift in the nature and the personality of this house that takes us into this community. I don't know how that looks entirely. I have some idea about that. I, the, I'm a simple man. I, I'm not a deep thinker particularly, and things cannot be complicated for me. God does not do complicated things in me and through me. He does them in simplicity. So I have some ideas about that, but out of that conversation, now uh, that Robert I said, I said, that's what, what God's doing. Do with that what you want. He ministered so effectively last week to you about this assignment we have as kingdom people to touch the world around us and how simple that really is. That the deposit of the Spirit of God that is in you is present in you wherever you are, whatever's going on, when you're sitting at home, when you're in the streets, when you're down at the school, when you're in the marketplace, wherever you are at work, and, and whenever there is a need for the presence of the Lord or for uh, the anointing of the Lord to come or for God to do something, the capacity is within you for that to take place. Did you get that? Well... Wendy told you when she prophesied that Robert never tells her what he's going to preach. I don't either. I don't know what that is. I don't ever, seldom ever say to Laura, this is what I'm preaching or this is where I'm studying or this is what God is saying to me. I, I don't know why that is. It's just, it's just, it's working out in me. Usually what God is working out in me, I have my notes and I have my scriptures, but it's working out in me and working out in me, sometimes clear through worship right to the point that I step to this pulpit. And so generally speaking, although I have notes and an outline and a plan and I know where God is leading, I know what he's, what he's wanting to say and what he wants to impart to you, the way that that happens doesn't always have clear focus for me until I'm standing before you in his presence. I have a sense of it and a direction, but when you, when you preach prophetically and you teach prophetically, that's a little different uh, than, um, than teaching uh, from an outline. Uh, prophetic teaching, although there's an outline and there's a plan, there's also an ear. You understand? I value that. Well, Wendy said uh, Robert never tells her exactly what he's going to preach or whatever, and then she began to prophesy, and I want to remind you of the word of the Lord. She said to Laura and I, we were sitting here and over this house, she said, you've desired to step outside the walls of the house, something along the, that context. You've desired to do the work of ministry outside. You've desired to get out of, in terms of outreach, and there's been like a glass wall. Do you remember that statement? It's like coming up against a wall, and I have felt that. She could not have described any more clearly to my heart that there has been a desire to do some things outside the walls of this house that we've come up against and up against, and there's been reasons for all of that. But she said, the wall is gone. It's shattered. Remember those words? Okay, I want to give you, uh, I want to just give you some perspective on that. 
If the wall is shattered for us corporately so that we can reach to places we've desired to reach that we've previously been unable to reach, if the wall is shattered for us corporately as a church, let me help you with something. The wall is shattered for you as an individual. I don't know if you amen that quite as good as that is. If God is removing restriction from the house, as far as our assignment is concerned, he's also removed the restriction from every individual that makes up a part of the house. That's what being the family of God is. Now, what that does for you is it positions you in a place of potentially great fruitfulness if you respond to God appropriately in this season of opportunity. That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about us as a church and as individuals, individuals. It never comes, a move of God never comes corporately to the house before it comes to the homes of the individuals that make up the house. You're not going to have a move of God here first that is greater than the one that's happening in your own prayer closet. There is no greater move of God corporately than first happens privately. You can quote me on that if you want to. It doesn't start first in the house, the corporate gathering. It starts first in your secret place, in your war room, if you please, and in your prayer gatherings. I just want to challenge you. Let me give you some scripture that I just feel the Lord... would have us to understand. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, in Acts chapter 3, just previous to verse 19, the apostles were out ministering, and they had just uh, healed someone. God had just healed someone. And so how many understand that when someone raises from the dead or someone gets healed or, or some miracle like that happens, that suddenly you have some folks' attention? You go lay hands on someone who's dead and have them get up and see if there aren't some people around that you have an opportunity to speak to about Jesus. That's what happened in this scenario. I don't want to take the time to read all of that background, but there is, there is, a, there is a healing that takes place, and then the apostles are speaking to them, and, the, and this is what they said to them. They said, uh, the Jesus that you killed did this. Read it. It's in there. The, the Jesus that you put to death was resurrected the Savior of the world, the Messiah has come. The guy you killed did this. He's back. So that's what they said to him. So he says, in light of that, this fact that Jesus was, died on the cross, went to the tomb, was resurrected, in light of that preaching of the gospel and this obvious evidence by this, this healing that has taken place, 
In light of that, let me suggest to you what you should do. And in that conversation, we arrive at verse 19. He says, let me suggest to you what you should do. Repent. Repent. And be converted. He didn't just say repent. You see, the the difficulty that we're in in our culture is that there are a lot of people just repenting but not being converted. I want to challenge you that repentance produces change. It doesn't just produce prayer. Oh God, forgive me of my sins. It produces the grace and the strength in God for you to live like Jesus lived in the earth. Ooh. You can stay in bondage if you want to. I choose not to. You can stay in bondage if you want. You can, you can ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins and stay in bondage. Keep carrying your chains around if you want to. I don't want to. Right? Because we are called to live like Jesus. We're called to be Jesus in the earth. Okay. So he says, repent and be converted. Repent and be changed. That your sins may be blotted out. Robert referred to this last week. This is what's when he gave the example. So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. So what precedes times of refreshing? Speak to me. Come on. What, what precedes times of rep- refreshing? Repentance. Repentance that produces an environment that your sins are blotted out. Well, if you're here this morning and you've repented and your sins are blotted out, please raise your hand. We usually want folks to raise their hand who haven't done that yet. Please raise your hand if your sins are forgiven. If you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, if you've had him come into your life, you've asked him to be Lord of your life, throw up your hand. Hallelujah. My sins are blotted out. What's the prerequisite for times of refreshing? Repent. Be converted so that your sins are blotted out. If that's the prerequisite, then you stand on the threshold of the opportunity to have times of refreshing after times of refreshing after times of refreshing from now on. You get tired? Get refreshed. You get weary? Get refreshed. Go into the presence of the Lord for that time of refreshing. So repentance, sins blotted out, times of refreshing, but where do they come from? Don't stop short of finishing the sentence. So that times of refreshing may come, what does it say? From the presence of the Lord. Okay, the next breakdown in the life of believers in this nation is that they recoil from the presence of the Lord. Somebody should have said amen. Because if we go into the presence of the Lord, times of refreshing come and he starts talking to us and we get like the children of Israel in the Old Testament. No, 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 no. You talk to him and tell us what he said. Because if, if he talks to me and I tell you what he said, when God speaks to me about you, he speaks a corporate word. He speaks to me about where we're headed as a body of believers and as a 
group of people corporately what he would like to accomplish in us corporately. But in order for him to do that, he has to be able to speak to you personally about your stuff. Now, there are times when I am praying for you and I pray for individuals and God speaks to me about those individuals. And I'm not, as a pastor, that's not my most fun time because a lot of times when he does that, he says, now go speak to them about it. And how many understand I'm a nice guy and I want to be the good guy? And sometimes when God tells me go speak to somebody about stuff, it's not easy stuff to talk about. Don't wait on God to talk to me about your stuff. Don't wait for God to come and talk to me or the elders or the leaders about the stuff he's trying to deal with you about. Get into his presence in times of refreshing. Let him refresh you and then listen to what he has to say about you. Now, I don't want to stop there and I don't want to get caught up there. We've got a few more minutes. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. I want to talk to you a little bit about we, now, now we've, we've talked about repentance. You, you may find that you want to repent some more. It's always good to pray prayers of repentance. I've been praying prayers of repentance for the last three years because God was preparing me for this season of fasting and prayer where he told me to pray prayers of repentance. So it, it, it's all right. If you, every time you go in the presence of the Lord, just, just make it a practice. Repent. Anybody here perfect? Nobody raised their hand. Until you're perfect, just get comfortable with prayers of repentance. Isn't that hard? So it brings times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. He loves when people repent. Because it tells him that you're paying attention to what he's trying to deal with you about. Repent. But don't just pray, God, forgive me. Repent. God, forgive me is not repentance. God forgive me is fire insurance. We really, I almost need to define that. God forgive me is not repentance. Repentance produces change. God forgive me, I'm not going down that road again. I have this conversation all the time with, with the Holy Spirit where, where, when it comes to my own inabilities and insecurities in my own view of myself i'm i'm hard i try to be harder on me than anybody else is so they don't have to be because if a man judges himself he's not judged of others right so that produces an environment where i can be hard on me but sometimes i'm harder on me than i need to be because of jesus and the lord corrects me for that and and so whenever i'm in that tone of thinking I've learned now to say to the Holy Spirit, oh, wait a minute, I kicked that guy out. I'm going down that road anymore. Just repent. Kick out the devil's thinking and come to the presence of the Lord for times refreshing. All right, we've got that. Now, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5, uh, Jesus is sending out the 12 uh, disciples and he sends them out, he commands them, listen to this verbiage, I want to give this to you because this is what he's doing to Church of Living Water right now. This is the day you find yourself in. He says to them, don't go in the way of the Gentiles, don't enter the city of the Samaritans, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel as you go preach, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Y'all been asking God, what should I say to people? Kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Listen to what he said to them. 
Say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then heal the sick. Cleanse the leper. Raise the dead. Cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Don't provide for yourself gold or silver or copper in your money belts. Don't take a bag for your journey. Don't pack. It's okay, you're packing. (laughs) Don't take two coats, extra sandals or staff. For the laborer is worthy of his hire. I want to talk to you about this passage of Scripture. When God gave them instruction, he told them first where to go. He said to the disciples, now for you guys right now, just for right now, because later he said to all of us, go into all the world, right? So we already got that. We know that. But he said to them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I want you to say to them, so he says, this is where you go. This is what you say. This is what you do. This is what you give. So he said to them, to the disciples, I want you to go to the, I don't want you to go to Samaria. It's not time to go to the Gentiles. I want you to go to the Jews and I want you to say to them, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then, so that you can get their attention, so that they will listen to your preaching, heal the sick, Man, we we have been doing this all backwards, haven't we? You're supposed to heal the sick in front of unbelievers. We're supposed to raise the dead in front of people who don't believe. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Cleanse the lepers, all that good stuff. He said, go tell them that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and then show off. We have been relegating that to ordained people. We've been relegating that to people of the cloth. Pardon religious expression. That's kind of repetitive. I think Robert said that last week. I'm going to say it again. The times of refreshing from the Lord, the work of the ministry of the kingdom of God was never intended to be relegated to the altar in churches across this nation. It was supposed to happen at Walmart. It was supposed to happen in the ER. It was supposed to happen in the workplace, in the marketplace. It was supposed to happen around your table and in your living room. I don't know, are you convinced? He told them where to go. 
He told them what to say. He told them what to do. And he told them what to give. Let's talk about that very quickly. He said, I want you guys to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Well, for us, all the world. So then we listen specifically, and he says to, to me, who wanted to live on the coast, no, you go to Fresno, right? That's what he said. So I had to be willing to put aside my desire, foolish desires, and go where he said to go. So he says to Benjamin and Pam, I know it's just nine degrees right now, but go to Carson City. Are you following that? So he says, go into all the world. So every day he says to Mary, go to the jail. Because she's a nurse at the county jail. So every day, she didn't have to get up and pray about where to go today. That's already been decided. She's already clear on that. So wherever you go every day, if God is ordering your steps... That's where you're supposed to go. Some of y'all are going into environments where they have passed laws and made rules that you're not supposed to talk about Jesus. He didn't ask you if they passed a rule. He didn't ask you if they made some obscure law that you're not supposed to point to Jesus in your workplace. He didn't ask you he didn't ask the disciples. Listen, when he sent the disciples into Jerusalem, when he sent the disciples into the cities of the lost house of Israel, they were preaching that Messiah had come, or was coming, or that the, the day of the Lord had come. They, they were pre he said, tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were going and they were preaching, God's about to do something different. Their religious leaders did not like different. Jesus went to the cross because different upset somebody. Oh, wow, now that'll preach, won't it? He's sending you, he has sent you into environments where what he's telling you and asking you to say is not particularly acceptable and not particularly is anyone excited about it. Do you know how he made them excited about it? Huh? They showed off! You're right. So you go into the workplace and you say, kingdom of heaven is at hand. In your, in your turn, in, in, the, in their terms, they knew what that meant. So in our terms, hey, God's doing great stuff in the earth right now. That's what you're saying. You go to work, you say, ooh, God is moving in the earth. People are like, have you read the newspaper, you weirdo? <laughs> Won't that, isn't, that what, isn't that the response you're going to get when you go to work and you say, man, God is doing great things in the city of Fresno? They're going to say, didn't you watch the news? Somebody held up ATM out at River Park. So how do you get them to listen to you? It ain't going to be long before they're going to tell you about the crisis they're in. You deal with the crisis they're in. The scripture is actually telling you, pick the obvious. We're not waiting on a prophetic word from God about whether to lay hands on somebody that's sick. We're already instructed to do so. 
how do you know who the leper is? Well, their nose has probably fallen off their face. How hard is that? If they're running through the streets, you know, the disciples, if they're running through the streets and they're screaming, unclean, unclean, and everybody, I, I mean, they're parting the waters. Everybody just move out the way. Here comes the leper. You're supposed to go over there and say, let me fix that for you. He didn't, it's not great discernment to, to, to touch the obvious place of hurt in someone's life. What would happen, ladies, when you go to work and that lady next to you is crying because her, uh, her husband that, that she got herself hooked up with is having an affair and she comes and she's all broken because her life is destroyed and you come and you say, come over here a minute. Let's just ask the Lord to work in your situation and work in his heart and when God moves, you come and tell me what he did. Could you be that bold? I mean, you're putting it all on God. It's not even on you. Let me just ask Jesus to touch in your situation and then you come and tell me what he did. Can you imagine if you went into work and, and, and it's January and there's all, you know, it's tax time and, and if a company's going to size down, they're going to do it in January and February, if not in December. You go into uh, 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 your workplace and there's a row of five or six people standing there going, I got my pink slip. And you say, oh, meet me in the break room. And you run around to everybody that got their pink slip and you have them meet you in the break room and you say, I heard that y'all got your pink slip. I didn't because I love Jesus and he's taking care of me, but nevertheless. So let's ask God to order your steps. And if he's closing this door for you, let's let him and ask him to lead you to the door he's opening for you. He wants to show himself faithful to you. He wants to show you that he loves you. He's asking you as believers to pick the obvious. He didn't say wait to figure out what people need. He said pick the obvious thing and jump on it. Listen to what he said. Freely you have received, freely give. I'm going to tell you, let me just speak prophetically for a minute. What has caused a decrease in the experience of believers in times of refreshing in their life? Do you know what's brought the decrease? Now, there may be some folks sitting here for whom there has not been a decrease, and you'll be like, who are you talking about? I'm not talking about you. But for those of you who come to church and you worship God and you feel his presence and you say, why can't I cultivate this at home? What is going on in my life? Why can't I, in my own private time, produce a time of refreshing? Because of what he said to the apostles right there. Freely you have received, freely give. It has become the habit and the culture of the church in this nation to only receive. How many are sitting in this room and you've ever been healed? You've received healing. You have a commission from the throne of God. The moment that you've received healing, you're supposed to give healing. 
So then you receive healing. You do nothing with that. Two or three times in his grace, he heals you again. You do nothing with that. And then suddenly along comes sickness and jumps up in your life that you can't seem to get rid of. And you can't overcome it. Because when you freely received, you didn't freely give. How many of y'all have been blessed whenever the economy is going bad and God kept you in a job and he provided for you and he blessed you and he kept you going whenever everybody else around you is falling apart? You've ever experienced that? Freely you've received, freely give. You see somebody that's in need and you know that the answer is Jesus and you're not communicating. He's kept me in times of trouble and he can keep you in times of trouble. If that message that you've received is not becoming the message of your life, you're short-selling your ability to have times of refreshing because he says, when I do something in you, I want to be able to reproduce that in others. Freely you've received, freely give. So he told the disciples, I'm not asking you to give something you don't have. You've seen what I've done in you. He, listen, he had cast demons out on those boys. Fishermen in that culture, I'll bet they had a few visitors. He'd set them free. Freely, you, you, he had, or he couldn't have said that to them. Freely you've received, freely give. What have you received? You've received salvation. You've received forgiveness of sin. How many know somebody's walking around in condemnation all the time? They're hard on themselves. They pick themselves apart. They tear themselves down. They need a word from God about how precious they are in his sight. You have freely received of him because you're precious in his sight. You are now commissioned to give to them a word from the Lord that they are precious. That If they'd have been the only person on the earth to save, he'd have figured out a way to save them because they've been created in the image of God. Freely you've received, freely give. So I'm going to share a couple things with you. Oh, let me do, do finish this. What he was saying to them, he didn't tell them to, how many understand that he didn't send the disciples on the mission field naked? He didn't send them out hungry. He didn't send them out to their assignment uncared for. He didn't tell them, don't take your shoes. He said, don't drag along a bag of shoes that's going to weight you down. That's what he was saying to them. Don't get so worried about your own care that you drag along the things of this earth that weigh you down from the assignment that I've given you. How many understand we have weighed ourselves down? We have weighed ourselves down with credit card debt and car payments and all kinds of things that concern us in, the, in, this, in this earth until we can't. How, ma- how many cannot, could not, if God said to you today, you've got to get up and you've got to go, actually have the ability within the framework of your life to go or, or have you so weighed yourself down that, it, that you couldn't make that adjustment? That's what he was saying to them. Don't so weigh yourself down with the things of this earth, loving this world. If you love this world, you don't love God. So I just challenge you young people as you're coming up, don't create debt and don't create all of these kinds and don't make life decisions that so weigh you down that if God says to you, I want you to go and I want you to spend three months with, with uh, Sammy and Dorothy in uh, Kenya, uh, that, you, that you actually have the ability to go. 
Don't weigh yourself down so much that if the Lord says, I want you to go and I want you to do a, a, a summer internship in Hawaii, which we absolutely have the potential for some of y'all to do, that, 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 that you can't go. What's that? You want that internship? How'd you get that? You have to call Pacific Rim, talk to them. Why, 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 why didn't? So listen. He said, this is Jesus talking to those who are doing the work of the kingdom. We take this and we preach this so that we can motivate folks to give. You ever heard anybody say, this guy's coming, he's ministering here, labor's worthy of his hire, let's give into his life. That's other scripture. There's other scripture that we're supposed to give into his life. But Jesus said, if you're taking care of my stuff, I'll take care of yours. That's what he was saying. The labor is worthy of his hire. If I ask you to do something, you don't have to worry about if you don't, if you don't have a nest egg built up. I'll take care of you if your car breaks down. I'll see that the resource comes to you to take care of it so you can go. Don't get, it just, it's a yes or no. It's just a yes or no. So I'm over just a little bit, but I'm going to finish. For the last several years, I've been studying revivals and awakenings, seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord that have happened. I've read Azusa Street Papers and I've just been recently reading the collected works of John G. Lake. That'll challenge you. Mess with your mind. Excerpts from writings of Charles Spurgeon and Andy Simple McPherson and Charles Finney and others. I've been reading and studying what brings times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. What bring, those were corporate times of refreshing that came every corporate. I've learned some things. Every corporate time of refreshing comes when a group of people determined to have personal times of refreshing. It never happens corporately if it does not happen personally. I can preach revival till I'm blue in the face, and unless you go home, get in your war room, your prayer closet, your prayer chair, and you begin to have seasons of refreshing, we cannot have them corporately until God does them in the individual's. You say, that's not fair because there's going to be some people when God brings revival into this city, there's going to be some people that reap the benefit of revival that never laid on their face before God. That's the point. Don't, don't be those guys. Listen, mm, I'm going to get in trouble. Don't be those guys who said, well, it's not fair. I've been laboring for you, Lord, all day long. And somebody, he came in at five o'clock. He's getting the same pay. Repent of that stuff. Be refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Every sustained move of God has always been preceded by a significant work of repentance and prayer in the lives of the followers of God. Always, every time, without fail. Every sustained move of God has always been preceded by a significant work of repentance prayer. Every sustained move of God has always been preceded by a, a significant move to abiding in the presence of the Lord, to hanging out with God. There has never been a revival in this country or in a church anywhere, in, in a group of people anywhere until people love the presence of the Lord. Enough to hang out with them.
I've been preaching to you for the last two years. He wants to hang out with you. I'm preaching it still. You know why? Because there's some more of you that he wants to hang out with. You have to adjust your life and position yourself so God can hang out with you. Every move of God, sustained move of God, has always been preceded by a sustained movement. Listen to me. A sustained move of God is preceded and sustained when the people on whom God moves freely give what they freely receive. You never receive anything from God that you earn, ever, ever, ever. You will not receive anything from God that you earn. You will only freely receive. But if we don't freely give what we freely receive, we cannot have a sustained move of God. We can't have a visitation. We can't have a habitation. What we have is an emotional experience in worship that doesn't produce anything in our life if we do not give what we freely received. You have to be willing to freely give what you freely received. This year, some of you are for the first time in your life going to freely give some things that you freely received from God and you're going to be so jazzed when you see the results of